You're listening to Informed, informal chats about theological topics to help us know and understand God together. Informed. Informed. Hi everyone, welcome to Informed. Great to have you listening in on my conversation today, which is with Ruth Bansevich. Hi Ruth. Hello. Great to have you back on the podcast. Um, You were doing creation last time you were here, weren't you? Yes, that was fun, yeah. It was fun. Um, today we're going to talk about uh, science a bit more generally, um, which we'll get into in a minute. But I wondered, Ruth, do you have, t- could you tell us one of your favourite science facts? Oh, wow. I think off the top of my head, one of the ones about how there's more non-human cells in your body than human cells. There's all sorts of facts like that, how many microbes there are in a drop of tap water. I think just... Um, these are um, how much there are in a teaspoonful of soil. Um, I, I lose the numbers because I don't remember numbers, but I like I can remember there are more non-human cells than human cells in my body, and they're so really important. All these little tiny microbes, friendly bacteria, and 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 yeast and viruses and worms. Um, don't think about them too hard. You feel a bit crawly. <laughs> They, we, they're, they're just wonderful for our health and we, we sort of, our bodies have this great sort of uh, uh, coexistence with them that it's just, there's so little we understand about this kind of stuff and so much to learn. It's, I find that very exciting. You might find that a little bit weird, but um, yeah, it's the kind of thing that gets me fired up. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love the facts about big and small, the scale of things. Like the number of atoms. So there's 12 grams of carbon, um, which is not very much. It's got 10 to the power 23. So one with 23 zeros. That's how many atoms there are in it. That is a lot. That's, that is, um, well, probably just a bit more than the number of stars in the universe. Wow. Um, Because I think it's 100 billion stars per galaxy, 100 billion galaxies. Yeah. Um, It's just crazy. And then like, um, even just within our solar system, I love the fact that the sun uh, contains 99.8% of the mass of the solar system. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so all the planets and bits of rock and, you know, your bookshelves behind you and the table that I'm sat at and everything, all of that is like 0.01, 0.02 um, percent of the the solar system and the rest is the sun it's oh. just huge it, it's yeah I'm, I'm glad because it's nice and warm i think if it wasn't quite so big it might not be here um it's, uh, that rings a bell, yeah that rings a bell in terms of sort of how far away we are from the sun isn't it if we were closer it'd be too hot for us and if we were further away it'd be too cold for us yeah and we yeah. wouldn't be here yeah 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 um, so you and I both both love science um, and you and I both love Jesus uh, and to, to some people that's like not remarkable at all but I think to a lot of people uh, perhaps especially people outside the church that is quite remarkable. I remember when I was um, uh, before I worked for the church I was a science teacher and I was explaining to my students that I was leaving the school to go and start working for a church and um and, uh, and one girl said to me, oh, but so would the church have given you a job if they knew you were a science teacher? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, 
they just don't mix in some people's heads. Why? So this is something that your job is all about thinking about this kind of thing. Mm. Isn't it? Mm. Why do you think there is this such a widespread perception that that faith and science don't mix? Is it is it all to do with creation genesis, or is or is it bigger than that? It's probably bigger than that. I think that is a big thing. You open the first page of the Bible, and there it is. You know, these this day and age, that six day um, beautiful story. It you know it just people just don't get it. Um, so that 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 does raise it. I think also something we had a very helpful talk um, at the Faraday Institute on um, Tuesday about it was a psychologist from Nottingham who was saying that the evidence is very much that believing in God is just so natural to people. Little kids just believe in God. You know, atheists, little kids believe in God. You know, it just is, it's how we're wired. And I wonder if some of it, I have no data to support this, is just that religion is very, very intuitive and science really isn't. There's a book that this this person to giving this talk mentioned that why religion is completely natural and science is not. Um, and I just wonder if there's slightly that feeling of these are two very different things. I suspect the main reason is that science versus faith has been a very popular thing to say in a number of arenas for a long time. Um, mm. It's been given a lot of publicity. A friend of mine calls it the zombie argument. You know, you knock it down, comes back again, knock it out, comes back again. Knock it <laughs> Essentially, that's quite a big part of my job. What I try and do mainly is tell the what I think is a, is a better story. Um, and I, people find, which I think is what we're about to talk about, the, what I think as a Christian is the reality is very exciting, inspiring and encouraging. Mm. And that's a, a reality where faith in God and science do more than just coexist, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's very odd because I never would have predicted me being sort of the science lady, you know, who goes around churches. Um, I like science um, and I love God. Um, and it just seemed it's ended up that this interface has, there's such a need, you know, and I've, I've kind of had the opportunity to jump into it. Um, but I'm very comfortable with talking about who God is, his character, him as creator, encouraging people to open the Bible and see just how littered, especially the Old Testament, but the whole Bible is with praise for the creator and all creation praising him and glorifying him. And um, when things are going well, creation being fruitful. I was reading Isaiah today about, you know, this imagery of the desert springing forth life. And that's the reality of the world we live in that God has made, that scientists study. I think the Bible asking us to tend and keep creation is an invitation to study it because how better to know how to tend and keep it than to know more about it. And today's ecological crises is a, or certainly response to the ecological crises is a case in point. You know, we now know, we know better now. We know you don't just wade in and, and kill lots of things expecting it just to bounce back again. Um, and, um, you know, Solomon, you know, we've studied nature, you know, the Psalms are full of it, you know, the Psalmists are 
proclaiming the stuff they know and they have learned about creation. Um, there's a lovely bit in Psalm 111. Um, Great are the works of the Lord, they are pondered by all who delight in them. And I think that sort of wisdom and seeking for wisdom in creation. So I think there's a real mandate for doing science because it helps us to understand more about God and praise him more. I think um, we can learn wisdom. Um, you know, we can, even before we get to anything that is practically useful, um, you know, we can learn so much. Um, it honours God to explore what he's made. And I think, you know, the wonder, the beauty, the sense of awe we feel when, I mean, these big numbers we were throwing around, you know, wow, you know, um, we're using our God-given creativity, you know, as we're, and our God-given imagination as we explore. I think it's all, it all really honours him and it's a really good thing to do. And I think it really feeds back into our faith. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I think that's the exciting bit. And then we can be like little kids, you know, like the, the Proverbs 8. There's a bit about wisdom being there when God is um, God is creating. It's a, it's a difficult to translate bit of Proverbs. <laughs> but um, I won't let that put me off. I was there, you know, I was there when he marked everything out. I was there when he did everything. I was the craftsman at his side or a little child at his side or something but wisdom was there filled with delight day after day that you know there's a delight in wisdom finds delight in god's creation i think um so i think it it it's something you know that we don't have to stop science isn't just for kids and young people i think we can we can play we can explore we can i mean most of that for us will be either sort of gardening or watching telly, I think, learning about science, but <laughs> um, <Yeah>. or various <laughs> things like that. But yeah, mm. we can enjoy. Yeah, because the, the Bible is so positive about creation, isn't it? Um, mm. And the physical world around us. And that mm. kind of touches on, it touches on, all, you know, various bits of, of theology. You know, it touches on our eschatology because mm. we believe at the at the renewal of all things what god does is make a new heavens and a new earth mm -hmm. um not escape us from the heavens and earth to some other spiritual ethereal place um you know we believe that god uh, becomes his way of saving us is by becoming incarnate um mm -hmm. so incarnation and salvation they they on some level dignify creation um, yeah. yeah and then as you were saying right back in in genesis the the mandate to humans to um what is it fill the earth and subdue it um it's like uh god's 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 created a world and and given us a job to do um to uh continue his creation project um the yeah, implication is i guess that when he first created it it's not full and it's not subdued and he sends out uh, humankind into the world to to fill and subdue. Um, yeah, so tend and, tend and keep. Terrible at remembering where particular parts are. Um, is tend and keep in chapter two? 
Yes, I'm trying to find which bit of chapter two it's in. Um, and and subdue is quite strong language. It's, you know, it's quite dominant language, but a lot of the rest of the language throughout, I mean, it, the Bible is much more, you know, stewardship keeping. Um, and um, the obviously the, the example God sets for ruling is, mm. you know, it, it's servant, you know, it's servant hearted, it, it's it's loving. Um, it's not heavy handed. So I think we're we're called to yeah, to, to yeah. Take, take care and help to flourish. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Adam and Eve are placed uh, are placed in the garden as God's image, as um those who rule on his behalf. So we've got to rule the way God rules. Mm. Um, which is yeah, not to throw our weight around or exploit or whatever yeah 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 um we're recording this in the middle of the covid pandemic mm. um so what what are some of the um good and bad attitudes you've seen to science kicking around over the last year or so um i mean the good in a sense is that we've seen science in action so we've seen um you know right from the beginning um, I mean, just look at the scientific side rather than the human side for a minute. Um, although they, sorry, they, they do both intertwine, but, you know, looking at um, what's been going on in labs is, first of all, it was, what there's a virus, what is it? And, you know, Chinese lab very quickly sequenced, uh, undecoded the DNA and put that information online. Um, people are desperately trying to understand it. Is it like other viruses? We know what were they like? Um, and you're you're trying to get as much data as possible. You have to wait a bit to see how it behaves. You have to do some experiments. You make some predictions. We think we should do this. Oh, hang on a minute. We've learned a bit more. Now we think we should do that. Oh, hang on a minute. No, well, let's refine. And we're constantly refining and updating our, our understanding. And um, I think a good understanding of science is, well, we know this much and we'll act on that basis. But when we know a bit more, we'll update that. And we're really sorry, we're going to make mistakes because I mean, it's a bit like you taught teaching in lead saying, you know, well, I'm going to teach you some things that are wrong. I just don't know what they are. So <laughs> it's yeah. with that kind of humility and the process of science is always trying to get nearer to the truth. Um, I mean, it's different to theology because our scientific knowledge isn't revealed by God in the same way and it's always being updated so you can't rely on it in the same way but um the the uncertainty is different it's not so much in our interpretation well it is but it's also in our knowledge um, of things and 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 that knowledge is always updating and and then you know things I mean it's like medicine mistakes will happen because we just did our best you know the scientists are doing their best and they're trying to explain how things are going on and then there also is interpretation of the data. So um, because it's a complex system, I mean, you talked about the sun, which is a relatively simple system. I think it's mainly hydrogen, helium. Um, and I mean, the universe is very, very big, but a lot of what's going on in the universe is very, very simple. It's physical forces and a few elements interacting. But when you have a biological system, even a virus, which isn't even alive, um, hugely complicated, and then it's interacting with humans and human behavior. and we just, there's too many parameters to be able to really accurately predict. So from a scientific point of view, it's in, it's absolutely fascinating watching things unfold, but 
I actually found it difficult to get into the science because I know, in a sense, I know I'd be too fascinated and I would lose track of the human cost of what's going on. Um, so I'd rather pray for India than find out about the Indian variant, if you see what I mean. Mm. That's just yeah. the way I've coped and the way I've reacted. But I think we've seen science in action and a good a good attitude to that is saying, yes, we're seeing the knowledge being updated. A bad attitude, in my humble opinion, would be um, a sort of um, grumpy, oh, scientists are wrong, or they don't know what they're doing, or science doesn't know everything, um, which is a true statement. The last thing I said, scientists don't know everything, but saying it in a grumpy voice is, is, is a misunderstanding of science, <laughs> because, of course, they don't know anything. If they knew everything, they'd be out of a job. Um, so I think it's, it's, um, I mean, we've all been grumpy for unreasonable reasons, so I, I shouldn't go too heavy on that <laughs> last year. <laughs> um, so, you know, um, it's, it's easy to be very frustrated. You know, why don't we know? Oh, we should know by now. You know, how, how do we not know that this variant is going to be protected by the vaccine? You know, it's very frustrating, but that's just the way it is. Um, yeah. What kind of, what kind of uh, mindsets does a Christian come to science with? Yeah, and I, th I think the other bad attitude, I think the scientist, the Christian doesn't come to science with utter faith, which I think has been expressed sometimes. Um, I mean, yes, we do, we do want, we do trust the tools of science to reveal something about this virus and how it will behave in our populations. Um, and we do trust um, the use of technology and, and scientific knowledge to produce vaccines that will help us stay healthy, um, but they're not going to save the world. So I think uh, I think for a Christian to say this is God's creation, it's it, it the fall is you know the effects of the fall are very real, um, mm -hmm. largely in the, the effect of human sin, um, um, and and it. it Creation is groaning, you know, Romans, Romans yeah. 8. Um, so and we're going to that new heavens and new earth that that you talked about. And I think for me, that's been the most helpful thing is get up in the morning or, you know, sitting down at night going, you know, what's it all about? It's about we're going, we're going there, we're getting there. You know, that's where we're heading for. And we're trying to, to be an effective church and effective followers of Jesus in that waiting time um so science is a tool that's really helpful let's use it let's honor god by using science as an effective tool but um science the same as you know science is good politics is good medicine is good all these things are good but none of them are going to save the world and none of them are going to be totally sorted out and you know <laughs> mm. i think mm. i think um yeah some some faith in science but not maybe not as much as we're sometimes expected to have, or maybe not as little as some other commentators would want us to have. <laughs> sort of a balance, tricky balance. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we put our faith in all sorts of things and all sorts of people every day. Um, mm. uh, we, we, we rely on different things and different people in all sorts of different ways. Mm. Um, but that's kind of a different order of magnitude to the way we rely on Jesus um, and put mm. our faith in him, isn't it? It's a different yeah. kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, push comes, push comes to shove, we're always gonna choose Jesus over whatever else it is. Um, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, but I, I mean, I don't. I mean, most of the time, I don't think we have to choose between one or the other. Um, yeah, it's a, um, you know, it, it's a different level of, you know, Jesus is, is the, you know, king of everything, you know, and science is a thing that we do. So, I mean, I guess the choice would be, it would do I use it in a way that honors Jesus, or do I interact with a way that doesn't? So, I think for me. I came to the conclusion that um, the you know although there's always a minimal there's always a risk with being vaccinated it's very very small it's lower than getting on my bike um, mm. and expecting to be run over if I if I cycle sensibly um, but I do be vaccinated because it's loving my neighbour um, you know that that's what where the scientific data would lead is is that um, you know it. I might be all right if I had COVID, but if I pass it on to my elderly neighbour whose lawn I cut the other week, you know, that mm. would not be loving. <laughs> yeah. So thinking wider than the specific example of the pandemic, um, you think a lot about science and faith. So could you give us your, in a nutshell, elevator pitch? What is science? What is faith? How do they fit together? So... For me, um, I would say that science is a study of the things that you can observe, that you can measure in some way. You can do repeatable observations on the same thing. If it's a historic event like a fossil or, you know, light coming from a star, you can still repeat your observations, even though you can't repeat the event, if you like, um, for example. Um, and, you know, if it's something, you know, dropping a ball off a roof, you know, you can do that lots and lots of times. So it's that kind of thing. So they're quite, you tend to try and simplify things down um, mm. and, um, you know, to, to as few variables as possible so that you can know what's happening and then you can make generalizations. This is the strength of gravity. This is the speed of light. And then you make predictions and then you test them. And so, um things that you can observe, things that you can describe with generalizations or with maths. Um, C.S. Lewis had a nice way of describing it. He, he wrote an essay, I think it was called The Language of Poetry um, um, or similar. Um, and he, he said, basically it's easier to check it, cash a check for a pound than a hundred pounds. Um, it was a while ago, but basically science it's relatively easy to describe briefly what's happening when you drop a ball off a house. Um, but if you, and that's what science does very, very, very well. But then if you want to describe something more complicated, like why do I love my dad? Um, that's, it, it's too, you, you need to go into a different category of thinking of language of, well, in this essay, C.S. Lewis was talking about the language of poetry, which uses few words to say a lot. Um, it's not easily definable. It's not easily, um, you can't pin it down 100%, but it's very, very powerful. Um, whereas with science, you're saying a very little, very precisely. Um, so, um, and I think faith fits into that. I think those big questions of meaning and purpose that sort of faith with a big F, you know, what do I have faith in? Who do I have faith in? I think for any Christian, obviously it's God who 
we are having faith in. Um, and that's based on evidence. I didn't like the dictionary definition I looked up earlier on today, which said it was in the absence of proof. And I think only mass proof is proof thing. And even then you can have wrangles about what numbers mean and things like that. And it all gets very indeterminate. But um, I think faith will, will usually be backed up by some kind of evidence or experience or um, uh, knowledge but there will be something left where you have to, like if you, you know, does my dad love me? Well, yeah, yeah, I'm certain my dad loves me, but it isn't, I can't, I haven't got, you know, I couldn't prove it to you like 100%, but I just know. Um, and, you know, with God, I think the Bible uses language of active faith. So it's something you have to stand firm in. You have to keep reminding yourself of the evidence that that convinced you it was worth having faith in God. So it's quite an active process. Um, so I think science, um, I think Christian faith sort of, if the world is a Venn diagram, remember those in school where you have those circles and they overlap yeah. and you have sets of things. Well, the big set, the all of life is encompassed by God and all the things we do in it or um, sort of little circles within that they're sort of subsets of life um, science is a thing we do um, but the background to all of science is um, is God um, that affects our behaviour in the lab um, but you were a science teacher Simeon so how would you define science? <laughs> oh, I'm not sure I could do a better job than you um, I mean in some ways uh, I think um, the, the way you come to your beliefs in God uh, and the way you come to your scientific beliefs are quite, the process can be quite similar. Um, this is something Emily's done a bit of work on. Um, mm -hmm. that you, you arrive at a worldview, a, a set of beliefs about meaning and purpose in God um, by making observations of your experiences and of history and of uh, scripture and everything. And you, you, you look for the explanation that makes most sense um, of everything that you've seen and experienced. Um, you can't sort of prove it on the back of an envelope starting with an equation, but you can say, no, I, I believe that Jesus is Lord. And mm. because that makes most sense of the historical, uh, the historical data we have uh, about him, and my experience of him. Um, and science is similar in the sense that you say, I, um, you know, I believe that mm, the sun is hot because of my experience about it. I haven't gone and um, haven't gone and touched it. Uh, I couldn't if I wanted to, <laughs> um, but I've, you know, it makes most sense. Uh, of the data I see to um, say the sun is hot. And that that's a trivial example, but you know, in more complicated examples, um, you know, how do we know, oh, I don't know, the age of the universe, say, mm. um, you know, 13.8 billion years. Um, well, because, because you, that's the number that makes most sense of the, the information that we have. No one's got a stopwatch um, and started it at the beginning. Uh, and you can go and look at it, um, but you can infer it from other stuff. 
I don't know, there's probably better examples than that. So I suppose what I'm saying is, is sort of, there's a, there's a myth, isn't there, that in science you can prove things, as you were saying. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and yeah, scientists do talk about proof, but, but what they mean is, um, you know, this is far and away the best explanation for all this data that we've collected. But you never know whether tomorrow someone's going to turn up a piece of data that calls it into question. It's always provisional. Mm. Um, and, uh, and in the same way, in, you know, you can't prove that Jesus was raised from the dead. Um, you know, I can't prove to you that tomorrow someone won't turn up with some piece of information that shows that he wasn't. Mm. Uh, so they're quite similar in that respect, but then they're different in, in the fact that my, my faith in Jesus um, is a commitment to him uh, in a way that I'm not committed to any particular scientific facts. It's, mm. I, you know, I have, I, have, I have chosen to make him irreversibly the Lord of my life. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, which I have not done. Uh, with any particular scientific fact. I mean, we make, we make minor, well, relatively minor commitments based on scientific data. I guess a fairly major one is getting on a plane. You're committing yeah. yourself to the, the engineer's understanding of how, how the gravity and lift and air and things work. Um, you are committing your life to that. So I guess that's a, but, um, it, it's still on a different level to, to faith. I mean, the other similarity, I guess, is um, thinking back to the Big Bang. It, it's several different lines of very different evidence tell you the same thing. You look at the speed of light, you look at the expansion of the universe, you look at the sort of background um, buzz of radiation that's left over from the Big Bang. You look at probably other things that I can't remember, some kind of physicist, um, and they, they all give you the similar numbers. And it's really very surprising. Well, it's very nice and tidy. It tells you, you know, what scientists think is the age of the universe in the same way that a similar way to as a Christian, you look at historical evidence, you look at what Jesus does in people's lives today, you look at answers to prayer, you look at the Bible, you look at several different lines of evidence and they all converge is more complex evidence but it all converges on the conclusion that Jesus is alive <laughs> mm. um, and is worth following so I think yeah the similarities and differences are really worth looking at um, but I think I really really want to release Christians to enjoy the science and to have confidence in their faith um, yeah. Yeah. And not to see them as uh, occupying a competing space, um, mm -hmm. but to see them as occupying a complementary space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Dennis Alexander, who was founder of the Faraday Institute, where I work, he has this way of describing it where he has levels. So it's like a cake with lots of different layers. And each layer is a different way of looking at the world. You know, there's history, there's uh, the Bible, there's personal experience, there's um, legal arguments, you know, there's all sorts of ways of, there's science, there's, you know, 
literature, I can't remember what the names he gives to all these different levels, but there's all these different ways of looking at the world and you don't have to pick one. You know, oh, I'm a historian, so I only ever look at historical evidence. Well, you're going to struggle in the supermarket, you know. Um, so, <laughs> or, um, you know, or I'm a lawyer, you know, and I'm like, well, yeah, you might make an original choice if you to marry, you know, if you're only looking at legal evidence. Um, but yeah, so we we behave as rounded people, and we we you know, we'll pay attention to those different ways of looking at life at different times. And I feel that sometimes people take the, they make it a very unfair argument when it comes to God and science. They say, well, I've got to have scientific proof for God. And I'm like, well, I can give you a little bit of evidence, but you're going to have to be open to other evidence, like you are in the rest of life. And then they start, you know, come on, let's be fair. Um, I think it, it, it's helping Christians to have that confidence to see that often we're given an unfair question to answer when it comes to science and God, I think. And being able to, rather than scrambling to answer the question, which has been a lot of the engagement with science in the past, um, and sometimes coming up with slightly odd responses to be able to look back at the question and go, are you sure that's the best way to say it? Um, you know, I think it's quite helpful. The, uh, the, there's an illustration that's that's done the rounds uh, within science and faith uh, thinking, um, which um, I used the other week and was uh, found really helpful with someone that was uh, asking me about it. So um, a couple of people. Uh, so could you tell us about a boiling kettle? Oh, yeah. Well, a little bit. I mean, I guess one of your former students could have written you a little essay on what happens to water molecules when you, you warm them up and the difference between liquid and gas, water and ice and phase changes and forces and, you know, things. Um, so there's a, that's what science does. It does this mechanistic explanation of the world. But then there are other ways to look at the kettle. You could say, well, let's put the kettle on. Are you thirsty? No. Am I thirsty? No. In fact, do you even like tea? Well, kind of. I don't really like black tea, but I'll drink it if someone gives it to me and I'm feeling extra polite. Um, but we, like many cultures, will just make tea at certain occasions. People come around, you make tea, you've had a bad day, you make tea, it's the end of the day, you make tea, at the beginning of the day, you make tea. And it's just something that you do for all sorts of reasons, you know. Some of those will be scientific. Sometimes you'll be thirsty. <laughs> Sometimes it will have a sort of comforting effect on you that a psychologist could explain. Other times it's just utterly symbolic. You know, I honor my guest by making tea. Um, I make them feel welcome. Um, we're catching up. We have tea. That's what you do when you catch up or coffee or something. I quite like cake. Um, and um, I think that's a different level of, understanding of the event of boiling a kettle i think mm. um some pe other so people you, use sorry well i was just going to get you to sort of uh, apply that then to thinking about the created universe you could think about it on those mm. different levels can't you the the scientific yeah. mechanistic thing which is the domain of science and 
those bigger questions like why is it here in the first place what is our purpose um what are the relational implications of its existence yeah 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 and what does it it doesn't tell us a lot about God's character. It gives us some hints. I prefer to turn it the other way around and say, well, I'm a Christian. Let me look at creation. What, what makes sense? What does my faith make sense of? Well, it makes sense of that I see order, I see beauty, I see fruitfulness, I see provision. You know, oh, yeah. Mm. Um, and I think the quicker we get to God's character in these conversations, the better, I think. Um, because I think a lot of the questions in science and faith discussions are actually nothing to do with science and they're usually to do with people searching for a god or having found some explanations of a god that are not are don't tell the full reality I think so I think the quicker we get to how does God reveal himself? What does he reveal himself as? The, the, the sooner we get away from um, the need for purely scientific proof of things or the need for science to be making everything in the whole world better or, you know, all sorts of things that, you know, people often, it's often about suffering, to be honest. I shouldn't bring it up because it's hard questions, but um, it always, always, always comes up in science and faith discussions. And I think it's often because people have suffered and they want an answer for how are they going to cope and why does life still have meaning and purpose? Um, I think it's those sort of deeper questions underneath. Yeah. 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 So I started by asking you about your um, favourite scientific facts. Mm. Um, let, let me finish by asking you, as a Christian, when you look at the world and, and everything that science helps us understand of it, um, it, Romans 1 says that it, you know, the created, the created world reveals God's, uh, God's uh, divine power and, I can't remember the exact words, um, his power and his nature. Um, what, what, um, what, do you see of God in in the things around us? What when you look at the world, be it microbes or stars or anything in between, um, what how how does that make you feel about your father who made it? Mm, yes, and I'm looking at the window at the Copper Beach, which has come into leaf in the last week. Um, <clears throat> I think it 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 tells me about his generosity. I say thank you a lot when I'm out and about in creation. Um, I say I thank you or I say I praise you with and name the things that I'm seeing that are growing and living around me um, because that's what the Bible does. <laughs> um, I think, as I said, I do like to start, I will always look it through it through the lens of what I already know about God. So, um, because there are sad things as we're experiencing right now, there are a lot of painful, difficult things that we'll experience um, because of the way we've interacted or the things that are happening in the in the natural world in human interactions with, with the rest of creation. Um, but yeah, I see lots of beauty. I see lots of, um, uh, it, it 
there's there's lots of movement and busyness and um from that movement and busyness comes life and order um and um i don't know what that tells you about god um <laughs> maybe that he's you know he's constantly sustaining you know these processes without him i think it would all come to a standstill um not because i don't understand the forces that cause the movement and busyness but because i think god is sustaining everything um, it's another layer of the cake yes he's in the, yes another layer of the cake sorry that might have just confused things um but i think yeah his generosity and the beauty and i think it helps me to see some glimpses of who he's like but i know that i won't see that fully or experience that fully until we get the new heavens and the new earth mm. so as i see things i'm also saying i want everything to be beautiful i want everything to be tidy i want everything to be comfortable i want everything to be you know wonderful and i know that's not happening come lord jesus let's have the new heavens and new earth i think that's how we're partly how the bible teaches us how to pray um not quite answering your question but that's because i think there's quite a lot of caution that goes into answering questions like that mm, yeah no that's great that's great well that's a brilliant note to finish on um thank you very much for your time and your thoughts thank you you on so until next time it's bye from me and it's bye from me Thank you.